Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics right here on Blog Talk Radio. Greetings, Mark. How are you? Good, Hercules. I'm doing very well tonight. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing uh, great as well. It was good seeing you a little bit uh, earlier uh, today. And uh, thank Always you for clarifying what was going on so that I could prioritize and, uh, and schedule my time more effectively. Great. Wonderful. Glad I could be of help. Um, how, how was the event after I left? Oh, everything uh, went well. Uh, Paul uh, Giuliano was elected, uh, you know, unanimously as our new uh, Democratic County Chair, which was uh, very exciting. The governor came uh, and gave a uh, rousing uh, speech to get everyone excited, which is always fun. And yes. uh, the mantle was uh, mantle was passed from the former chairman, Lou Stilato, who uh, he did a great job for nine years getting uh, Democrats elected countywide and in local offices. And now the baton is uh, in the hands of Paul Giuliano and uh, hopefully all good things to come. I hope so as well. He seemed like a very pleasant uh, person. I conversed with him for a couple of minutes uh, as I came in the door. And uh, um, I managed to bump into a lot of people I didn't know were involved in uh, Democratic politics. I had met them through other um uh, adventurers, I guess you might say, uh, and it was very good to see them there and to connect with them in this uh, context as well, uh, because it seemed like we shared passions beyond uh, the ones we already knew about and were doing stuff in with uh, metaphysics and with uh, um, certain social causes and so forth. So it was really good to see them uh, involved in the political arena as well. Yeah, you know, no, that's uh, that's fabulous. Yeah, I think there were about probably. 650 to 700 uh, people there tonight uh, from around, you know, from every town in Burton County, all the committee people. So it's uh, it's always a good time when we all get together like this. 
and uh, they hit for nostalgia in the food that they uh, served us. They had Sabaret uh, hot dogs. They had uh, uh, Carvel ice cream. I was very surprised that the water wasn't Avion. That was completely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I have to admit, I scoffed down a couple of those hot dogs as soon as I got there myself. So they were great. Right. Now, one of the things that impresses me as I walk down this particular road is that there is so much to do um, if you would like to get involved in local politics that you can't possibly even be aware of all of it. Well, there are many aspects. You know, it's interesting you bring that point up. Um, yesterday in one of the uh, Tenafly Facebook uh, 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 pages, some uh, residents were on Facebook talking about, you know, the different different things and constructive criticisms they had for the uh, – for the borough council and the way local government works. And so I put a mm-hmm. little uh, message on there and I said, Hey, anybody who wants to get involved, uh, please contact me. Here's my email. Here's my cell number and um, send me an email, call me, text me. And uh, I'm happy. I'm happy to help getting people kind of in the queue to start, uh, to start some service. And uh, I'm very happy to say, but you know, several people, three or four people emailed me, and oh, uh, awesome. one person wants, to, yeah, one person wants to be on the zoning board. One would like to run for council. One wants to come to Democratic committee meetings. So, you know, the way people get involved is to basically jump in and say, "I'd like to help." And then we're always looking for people who are looking to serve. And uh, so it was very heartening to see that people reached out to uh, to put their uh, toe in the water. Oh, that is incredibly awesome, and I'm glad uh, to hear it. Um, I've tried, uh, I've, I've had folks who are independents uh, on the show uh, to share their perspective, and uh, um, I've invited uh, Republicans. Uh, unfortunately, local Republicans uh, have not uh, seemed too enthusiastic, but Republicans a little further afield. And uh, what I've learned through the uh, conversations there um, is that uh, um, if you accept different facts as being true, then you live in separate realities. <laughs> and not that you can't get along, as we talked about last time, uh, and not that you can't be civil and have a discourse, uh, but I'm learning by, by talking to people who hold uh, views that are different uh, than my own, that at its root, it's what do you choose to believe? What are your values? Um, well, yeah, the and, values, the values. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. So that's the impressive va- and I'm questioning myself. Well, the values that people have individually really does drive their um, their political viewpoint, uh, their behavior, how they approach things, um, how they pose questions, how they answer questions. You know, when we're, when we're dealing with uh, issues, you know, local services and politics at a local level, you know, when I'm out there campaigning or at a cottage party or at a meeting with residents, um, you know, we keep our con- we do our best to keep our conversations focused on local issues, uh, potholes, uh, schools, things like that. Um, I don't get myself into state, let alone uh, you know federal government issues when we're talking about local politics. Because while I can, you know, I, I, so far I haven't met a resident who likes a pothole. All the residents, whether right. they're Democrats, Independents, or Republicans, they want the potholes gone. Uh, we all agree on that. Uh, so I don't go from potholes to talking about, uh, you know, the squad of four 
in Congress because then the conversation changes rapidly, uh, and right. to a point, people's uh, different var- a different uh, different values then take over the conversation, and it's a whole different uh, debate going on. I'm, I'm finding too that if you uh, if you basically can listen to somebody's perspective. And again, you're not obliged to uh, believe it or accept it and they'll do the same for, uh, for you. Uh, then you can start focusing on things that you do have in common. And uh, even with folks who are very different from me and hold very different views uh, uh, than I do because they've had different uh, uh, life experiences and, uh, and so forth. Um, it seems that there's still plenty of common ground uh, that can oh, be agreed oh. upon. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the one consistent message I I try to deliver to people who are looking to serve in public office or already elected to public office is to when you go into a conversation, when you're campaigning, when you're sitting on a dais and you're trying to govern, the most important thing is to listen to what the residents have to say, because you're 100 percent right. There are consistent themes that develop from everyone. Uh, Recently in Tenafly, we had a multi-year debate over where to locate a dog park so yes there were two and, and sometimes the debate got very heated and there were two consistent themes that were going on is you know 90 percent of the people who spoke wanted a dog park and 99.9 percent of the people didn't want the dog park adjacent to their home um, and so that led us to two decisions one we needed to put up a dog park somewhere and two we had to fight over where we were going to put it so that it wasn't in front of someone's house. And uh, while that sounds like a simple issue, we really only no. were able to make our ultimate decisions is because we listened to people. And, uh, and that's, that's, that, that was the common message. And these are, these are residents that come from every different political persuasion, religious, ethnicity. Everyone was different. But they all had, to your point, they all had the same two themes that were in their messages. And really, by listening is how we learn. Oh, very, very true. And uh, as I stated when I um, uh, commented during uh, the comments portion, uh, that uh, uh, despite the fact that several people on the council as well held very different uh, views as to what uh, should be done, and there, w- there was some tension in the disagreement, the fact that everybody had given uh, the issue consideration and was trying to do what was best uh, for everybody really shone forth and, uh, again, increased my uh, confidence uh, in a ruling body that I already have a lot of confidence in. Because uh, in Tenafly, um, people, when I describe how um, transparent and how open the doors are to participation, uh, a lot of people are you know, amazed. <laughs> but, and I think sometimes the town takes it for granted. Uh, but uh, somebody can come with a valid concern, and again, they might not like uh, the suggestions or the solutions, but the fact that it's been discussed, it's been thought about, and everyone sincerely tried their best to find an optimal solution, I mean, what more can you ask for? Right. I mean, you're 100% right. That is, that's the whole point of, you know, the dog park decision was ultimately a perfect example of democracy in action. And it was very messy. It was argumentative. Um, but whoever wanted to get hurt, you know, we even changed our rules in the borough council and we allowed, you know, public comment time 
um, you know, before we even debated the issues of the dog park and we changed the agenda and the schedule around to accommodate people. We had extra meetings and, um, you know, sometimes it was, uh, it was painful. Uh, the council members, you know, changed them, you know, myself included, we different people changed their minds to get to the right conclusion. And uh, frankly, that was the right way to do it. And there's no neat, succinct way to do it. You know, if we wanted one person just to make a dictatorial decision, it would have been very simple, very easy. We could have done it in one hour and would have been over with, but it wouldn't have been the right thing to do. And um, that's what we uh, that's what we uh, that's why we allowed the debate to continue until we felt we were done debating enough of the public got heard. I shouldn't say enough, but anyone who wanted to be heard was able was heard. It was that simple. Um, oh, we notified the residents, right, and and so that was the best way to handle it. And uh, I actually, uh, it opened my eyes to some perspectives I hadn't uh, considered. Uh, so uh, Councilman Jeff Grossman, he had an idea about why it would be um, a good thing to place the dog park somewhere where people were vociferously against it being in terms of long-term development. And he had thought this through very thoroughly, and uh, that came uh, across uh, very powerfully as he was explaining his uh, um, ideas. So, um, again, I can vouch for the fact that our council does care and our council uh, does its uh, best in uh, the governance of uh, Tenafly. And I know I've sat in on many meetings where, um, you know, budgets were discussed, uh, um, you know, and going into details uh, uh, that would happen in like the future, and, uh, uh, and and having listened to some of these conversations for years now, on and off, and seeing them progress, or if they stalled, seeing where they stalled and and why, it is as you say, it's democracy in uh, action. And here in Tenafly, we're very blessed, uh, uh, you know, to have the people involved because it's a, it's a remarkable thing to see. And it's a very reassuring thing to experience. Well, the the uh, the truth is is that the people who show up make the decisions, and uh, and many council meetings on most issues, there's no one in the audience, and so the six council members will make a decision based on what the six of us think is the right thing to do, and um, when the audience, but when the audience, when the residents show up and voice their opinion Monday night, there were probably 50 or 60 people in the audience and uh, the people who want to get heard were heard. And the people who showed up helped, helped us make our decision. And uh, again, it's, you show up and you're part of the process. If you stay home, uh, even if you, if you're staying home on election day and you should be voting, uh, you're not part of the process. You're not part of the decision. And it's really that simple. And I know that people get cynical sometimes about, uh, you know, uh, those politicians are going to do what they want anyway. Well, that's simply not true because right, we're all true. subject. Right. We, we all are affected by public opinions. Why do you think that's why so much poll on the national and state level, so much polling goes on for elections because the leaders are trying to understand what the public is thinking, because if I don't, you know, if I don't know, so if someone doesn't tell me when they have a problem, I can't. I don't understand it by osmosis. You have to articulate right. what's on your mind for other people to understand what you're thinking. 
uh, a very good point, and one that's that's true of uh, uh, human relationships generally. A lot of people get upset because they uh, project what they think the other person's thinking when they perform an action, and uh, they forget that we can't read minds. You know, unless you communicate. Uh, um, what's going on? Uh, people won't might not interpret it the same way that you will, you know. And the only way to get past that is to uh, share your thoughts and share your beliefs, and uh, uh, not try to accuse people of uh, holding views that they may not hold. The the best example I can give of communicating is, let's say, my wife and I are sitting on the couch minding our own business, and we're watching a television show, and one of my teen one of our teenagers comes up to us and says hey, we're going to the movies with our friends. Can we have $20? You know, uh, they're communicating with us, and then the discussion about the $20 will take place. But if they don't right. ask, we're not going to know. We're not going to sit there and volunteer and say, hey, you need some extra cash? You know, my money's <laughs> burning a hole in my pocket. You know, we, and everyone experiences that with their kids. So that's, uh, that's, Very true. that's speaking up. Right, exactly. So aside from getting potholes fixed, um, what other types of issues concern the fine folks of uh, Tenafly? We talked about the dog park, uh, too. Uh, we've talked about, uh, uh, like, Froggy Park and some of the other uh, green areas and uh, uh, all the things that have been considered and being done uh, there. Um, what other types of things uh, um, are people focused on now? So one of the one of the next biggest issues, and I'm not they're not always in numerical order. But one of the issues is uh, uh, we have empty stores downtown, and how to and how do we reinvigorate our downtown air area and attract businesses to those stores, quality services, and businesses that the residents will use. And uh, one of the uh, one of the issues that goes along with that is residential housing. And our downtown has very few people who actually live downtown. So our foot traffic is very limited. And Mm -hmm. uh, we have a developer who's come to town right now who is interested in putting in some uh, high-end luxury uh, condos downtown, one-bedroom condos and or apartments that will allow residents to live downtown. That's awesome. uh, Right. And so that's going before the planning board very soon. Um, they've already started making some of the applications they need to make, and the planning board's going to have to weigh the positives and minuses of that. And there are some height issues because they want to go one or two stories higher than typically is allowed right now, so they need variances from the current rules. And so we have to see how the planning board is going to flush that out. But that sort of activity uh, can create people who are then shopping downtown in terms of going to coffee shops, the bakery, the restaurants, um, the dry cleaners, and that makes more business, and then more businesses move in because we'd like to see a, uh, a thriving downtown. So that's something we're focused on now. We're trying to recruit some, uh, you know, some big name uh, stores that would come into downtown Tenafly to help anchor some of the other businesses there. And uh, you know, that's a, that's a work in progress. And uh, you know, we're very excited that Clinton Inn. Uh, if you're not from, if you're, some of your listeners are not from Tenafly, we have a very nice hotel in Tenafly that they're going to turn into an assisted living uh, facility when they renovate it. And then they're going to build a new hotel right next to the assisted living facility, which will allow us, which will provide uh, money and resources for changing some of the traffic patterns downtown and making, 
making the red light shorter and that sort of thing to improve traffic flow for the residents. So some of those are some of the projects we're uh, we're looking at over in the uh, the area where the dog park is going. We have two acres of borough land, and uh, uh, one of our council uh, women, uh, Lauren Dayton, has this great idea for putting up a uh, kind of an earthen and grass based mini amphitheater. So we can oh, do wow. things like Shakespeare, yeah, Shakespeare in the park, and uh, concerts for 100 or 200 people. And things of that nature, which would be uh, which would be fabulous, so that it makes uh, it makes that area a destination for the residents to go to. And so those are the, we're looking at quality of life issues that 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 better the experience for the residents in town. We just embarked. We're about to engage a uh, conceptual design company to completely rebuild our skate park. So teenagers, we have a skate park now but it's deteriorated and uh, we need to rebuild it. It's about 25 years old. Wow. So we're looking to upgrade that skate park. So there's things for the kids to do that go, you know, that add to the opportunities for doing something beyond sitting on their cell phones uh, and playing Fortnite. Uh, You know, we have basketball courts. We want to do the skate park. We have a soccer cage now and all those things help the community. Those are all exciting uh, things, and uh, I'm looking forward to learning more about them and seeing them uh, uh, come into being. Uh, I know you had mentioned with uh, the downtown and uh, uh, attracting businesses, uh, there have been some hurdles, because uh, I have other shows aside from uh, uh, public service. I have like a, a show that's focused on video games and you know, comic books and graphic novels, and uh, so I have several different themed shows. Uh, so I've talked to a lot of the uh, business owners in like Bergen County, especially this part of Bergen County, and some of them have tried to come into Tenafly, and uh, they uh, reported uh, a lot of their misadventures in uh, um, obtaining uh, suitable uh, stores and parking and things like that in uh, the borough. That's been shared with uh, the Chamber of Commerce, so the Chamber's aware of it. Um, is there any place else I can share this information as it comes to me? As you deliver it to the, send it to our borough administrator via email and okay. ask her to distribute it to the mayor and council the information you get, and she will distribute all mail that comes to the mayor and council via email, snail mail, you know, Western Union, whatever it might be, gets distributed to the mayor and council, and we get to see all communications that are directed to us. Um, and uh, that's if, if, if a business is trying to move to town and they're having hurdles, they need to contact their council members. Uh, I very often, you know, I give out my council card and my business, my phone number to people, all the, my private number all the time. And if a business wants to come to town and they're having a problem, I tell you, I, first thing I say is, well, why didn't you call one of your elected officials? Because we'll make sure we'll work with you to help guide you through the process or to overcome hurdles or to get obstacles out of the way, that is, uh, as a council member, that's my job, is to get things done for people. And uh, unfortunately, uh, folks who want to come into town sometimes get frustrated uh, with the bureaucratic process, and they don't call the council people. They don't think to do it. And uh, if they did, they would have a much easier time. You know, we've had people, we've had, uh, we built an assisted living facility in Tenafly, a developer came to us and said, uh, uh, you, you, right now, Tenafly only allows, uh, I think it was 50 beds per acre for an assisted living facility. 
and uh, they needed 100 beds per acre to put their facility in. And so we said, go to the planning board and get a variance. And they said, no, uh, Northville or a town like that, another nice town, said, no, they would uh, change their ordinances, but we'd rather build it in Tenafly, but we don't want to spend a year in front of the planning board. And so the borough council very wisely said, you know what? We'll change our zoning for this whole district so you can build this thing. And oh, wow. uh, we changed we changed the zoning with uh, with the swipe of a pen, and they built the facility. It's a wonderful brand-new facility, and it's filled with uh, 100 seniors right now, and it's a quality place. And so in Tenafly, we're willing to do those things, that we're willing to make smart decisions uh, for the borough, and all someone has to do is ask. I will most certainly convey this information to the uh, last person who uh, um, spoke to me about it. Uh, and they were gung-ho about coming to Tenafly for, for quite a while. And then the, they finally like uh, gave up on the idea. Uh, but I will convey this information to them and follow it up if the person wants to follow it up. And if anybody subsequently says anything to me, I will do as you suggest. I will uh, and, uh, send some notes to, to the borough administrator and, and uh, share this. And and feel free to uh, you know give them my cell number. I'm happy to uh, okay. help with that. And we have we have residents sometimes who have uh, you know they have uh, they want to do renovations on their home or something like that, and the and the uh, process is frustrating to them. And if they call one of us, if they call me, we will shepherd them through it. You know, we'll we will bring them to the front of the line, that sort of thing. So the people who ask for help get help. It's that simple. Incredibly awesome. Um, I'd like to return to one of the earlier topics we had, uh, the earliest topics actually we started speaking about, uh, which is um, health care. And sure. uh, are there any new developments in that area? Like how can we, uh, as you know, I'm on the uh, Tenafly Mayor's Wellness Campaign, and I take that seriously, even though I don't have as many hours to devote to it as I would like, and I do as much as I can for it. Um, and uh, um, as folks are getting older in uh, Tenafly and the, the, the uh, price of uh, health care is uh, going up, uh, what can we do to find, like, alternatives, uh, um yeah, I'll gladly lend my sword to any endeavor that uh, you come up with or you have in mind. Sure. Well, so healthcare on a, you know, it typically has to be handled on at least a state level and uh, mm-hmm. more more effectively on a federal level. Uh, first off, I want to say that nothing is free. There, there is no right. free lunch. There's no free healthcare. Everything has a cost associated with it, and we have to recognize that. Um, and I'm a believer in a Medicare uh, for all system and where we have uh, we, we keep our private hospitals, we keep our private uh, doctors, we keep our private systems. Uh, I think we have a, a great health care system in terms of nurses and doctors and paraprofessionals that deliver the health care to us. Um, our issue is we're all messed up on how we pay for it. And we look at it as an insurance problem, which is, frankly, a complete fraud on the public. It's not an insurance problem. It is mm-hmm. a, it's basically a funding and a method of payment uh, challenge because insurance is something like uh, fire insurance, car insurance, things like that. Uh, when you insure your vacation, whatever it might be, you're insuring against an unlikely event. So in the right. unlikely event, your house burns down. The insurance you've paid gives you the ability to build a new house or 
If your apartment burns down, you're insured for the contents and you can buy new furniture and clothes and that sort of thing. Healthcare, and by the way, it's unlikely you'll have a fire in your home or your apartment statistically, correct? But in healthcare is very different. You can 100% guarantee everyone at some point in time from the time they're born to through their life is going to need a doctor. So you're guaranteed to need healthcare services. So insurance is not the right model to pay for that. That would be like buying insurance to pay for the gasoline in your car. No, you're guaranteed to need gasoline for your car. Why would you have to insure for it? You just have to figure out the way to fund it. And the way we're paying it right now, you know, Medicare is one of the few systems that is far more efficient in terms of paying its bills than the insurance uh, system we have now. Uh, That is just the statistics. I can bore you with all the math if you wanted to, but it's a cheaper delivery system of the money. And that's Mm -hmm. really what we need to get to. But the challenge we have in this country are are multiple fold is uh, is change is very hard for people to do. And it's very hard to deliver an accurate message when there's so much noise out there coming from the healthcare insurance industry that doesn't want a Medicare for all because they'll lose all their profits. Um, Now we have to figure out a way to bridge the gap for the people who work for those health insurance companies to change the process of what they're doing because we're wasting too much money. And frankly, healthcare should be paid for the same way social security does. You pay a certain percentage of your salary towards social security. You should be paying a certain percentage of your challenge to healthcare so that, uh, you know, if, if, if you have a fabulous job at Goldman Sachs as an investment banker and you're making tons of money, that's wonderful. Uh, and a percentage of your salary, like Social Security, should go into the health care fund. And then you go to your private hospital or your doctor to take care of yourself. But if you're out there saving the world and you're building homes in Appalachia and you're making, you know, $10,000 a year, well, you pay a certain percentage of your salary, like Social Security, but you get the same quality health care that the right. person at Goldman Sachs does. And, and that's how this is just, just like with Social Security. And that's how we should be designing and redesigning our healthcare system. The pain that is system. a very common sense and easy to understand uh, the solution. It makes a lot of sense, Mark. Um, right. Not for not not if you are not if you're the CEO of a health insurance company, though. You don't want to hear the easy solution. Well, that's that's the trick of it. I remember uh, back in the day, um, I used to uh, create uh, student inter-volunteer programs with like 14 different colleges and other educational institutions and have them run through like hospitals and other nonprofit uh, organizations uh, or for-profit because some hospitals are for-profit. Uh, but uh, then I used to guide them through the internship so they could maximize uh, uh, their experience and learn from what you know they, they were actually doing. And uh, I handled primarily for a period of time uh, psychiatric hospitalizations. And uh, the students would always uh, come up with the the system seems very inefficient uh, because basically someone is in uh, long enough to start recovering. Uh, This is what it looked like to them. And then they were discharged and placed in the exact same circumstances that put them in the hospital in the first place. Uh, and then they were back right. a, few, a few months later. Correct. So, you know, it, this doesn't make any sense. And I would tell them from a therapeutic standpoint, no, it doesn't. But let's look at what insurance companies consider to be a new hospitalization. 
And all of a sudden, the system made perfect sense. Every step of right. it that didn't make sense from a therapeutic standpoint, from a business standpoint, was the correct decision to make because you created repeat customers who almost predictably would come back after a certain amount of time, and uh, you you had to keep them out of the hospital long enough so that it didn't count as part of the previous hospitalization. So right. not that hospitals shouldn't make money uh, or not that anybody shouldn't make money. And yes, I agree things should cost, uh, but those type of decisions should not uh, affect how uh, services provided to people who came to get uh, cured or to get better. So, well, yeah. um, so you know, I, I'm a I'm a believer that private hospitals should stay pro- private, and I mm-hmm. say profit motive is fine. Let them make money. I don't have any issues with that. Uh, part of, but the challenge is, is uh, we have hospitals whose bills are paid by third-party people, the insurance companies, and so the incentive to be efficient uh, or get it right the first time or have a lot of preventive care is not there. Because if I'm not paying the bill directly, some insurance company is paying it, uh, you know, the hospitals have no incentive to be efficient. And one of the other things we haven't spoken about is the whole medical malpractice issue. I have a, I have a friend who's a baby yeah. doctor. He delivers babies. And, you know, he's paying $200,000 a year before he delivers the first baby for medical malpractice insurance in the state of New Jersey. And it's yeah. just ridiculous. So we have to look at the whole the whole concept yeah. of, you know, the, the lawsuit uh, jackpot lottery uh, when something goes terribly wrong, and we have to address that in different ways than the way we have it now where, you know, you, you, if, if you have a medical malpractice case you know, and your lawyer winds up taking a third to a half of the amount of money you win, something, something doesn't make sense there. Because the doctors then have to pay these enormous insurance premiums, and guess who's paying for those premiums ultimately? You and I are, and your yes. listeners are, right? That's that's how that system works. So there's, there's there's multiple areas that need to be addressed that we can be doing a good, a better job at, much better job. On a local level, um, I, and again, this might be being done already. I'm I'm not sure, uh, but on a local level, is there any way we can help people navigate through their choice of uh, insurance carriers? Because that's become a problem too. Uh, I personally experienced something where the uh, insurer that we had, uh, the company changed hands, and uh, the people who now own the company refused to pay for things that were routine. So we had to find another. Uh, insurance company, but we heard lots of horror stories uh, from people who were undergoing that. Uh, fortunately for us, uh, it, it wasn't that big a problem, but we were affected by it. Uh, and it's very difficult uh, uh, to navigate through that whole system of making intelligent uh, choices and uh, um, uh, understanding what is being presented to you and what things will be covered and what things won't be covered. Uh, can our new uh, person who is uh, assisting seniors, uh, can she refer people someplace or uh, that service again might be offered already. I, I just am not aware of it. Sure, the, you know the, the senior the senior coordinator can certainly. That's what they're there for to take those sort of questions to help the seniors navigate the different uh, areas of, uh, of government services, of medical services, social security, that sort of thing. That's that's who the senior services coordinator is exactly who the seniors would want to talk to. 
uh, whether they need to talk to the, you know, the, the, the health administrators in the borough, that sort of thing. So those services are already in place. But the, the point you made about, uh, you know, one health and, you know, you change a job, you go from one health insurance company to another, and now pre-existing conditions might not be covered. That would all right. go away with the Medicaid, Medicare for all system. There would be no such thing as coverage for pre-existing conditions. You know, if you have a heart problem, and you work for Johnson & Johnson, and all of a sudden you get a new uh, job at uh, General Motors, well, your health insurance, why is your health insurance coming from General Motors and Johnson & Johnson anyway? Why do they have anything to say about your health care? So right. just like your Social Security, your health care benefits to travel with you, regardless of where you're working or starting a business or you're an actress on Broadway, you know, whatever it might be. Um, so that's why we have to really look at the whole system differently. And by the way, just because we have a Medicaid for all doesn't mean we still can't have some people who want to have uh, private Extra. health insurance, you know, mm-hmm. right. It's a free country. If the private health insurance business wants to market their services to people who choose to have it, then they can have it with all, with all the different uh, uh, rules and requirements that go on. Uh, but uh, Medicare for all should be available to everyone. I mean, I would use it. I, I don't, you know, my parents are in their mid eighties and uh, they use uh, Medicare system and they go to the doctor when they want to go to the doctor and uh, they don't, when they don't, if they have to go to the hospital, their bills are covered because they've been paying into it their entire life and they continue to pay those premiums and uh, it works just fine. All we need to do is lower the eligible age. It really, if you really think about it, Medicare for uh-huh. all is about everyone paying into it and simply lowering the age of eligibility. That's all. That that is very very true. Is there an initiative like that uh, here in New Jersey? If if it's on a state level that that needs to be addressed, that you would recommend? So you know it's difficult. It's very challenging to do it on a state level because if you have people living in New Jersey and living then working in New York or working in uh, Pennsylvania and living in, you know, working in Philadelphia and working in Cherry Hill, whatever the case might be, over the different state lines, if the states have different rules, it becomes a problem because how do you right. make a company in New York, uh, you know, do something in, in, in New Jersey and you can't make the state of New York cover the health care for people in New Jersey, so it becomes very complicated on a statewide level. But again, my example is Social Security. If you work your whole life in New Jersey and uh, you decide to retire to Florida or New York City or wherever it might be, your your Social Security checks follow you everywhere. It doesn't make a difference where in the world right. you live, let alone the United States. And uh, wherever you live in the United States should not affect uh, your health care uh, issues. That's very true. So how about on a national level? Is there any particular initiative that you'd recommend. Uh, The reason I'm asking, not only to clarify for our listeners, uh, but also to clarify for me, I'm I'm at a point now where, um, you know, I want to do more, but I'm running into the fact that I I don't have any more attention, time, and consciousness (laughs) to devote. So I'm streamlining. I think we talked about this once before, what I'm doing, and I'm looking at everything to see um, how can I apply what time and energy I have uh, most effectively uh, so that I can um, have a chance of contributing towards something that I truly believe would make uh, uh, this world for everybody, for myself, my family, my community, my, you know, my nation, my planet, you know. Uh, so I'm making those types of uh, decisions now. And you've consistently made lots of sense uh, on this issue. 
Uh, and well, I know you, you're a human being, so although none of us are infallible, I know that you're, you know, you're, you thought this through very thoroughly, and it shows from everything that you said. So uh, I want to start exploring options for being more hands-on in this particular area. So uh, part of my question is motivated uh, from there. So the people who make the decisions about who vote on bills in Congress are our senators and our members of Congress. And that is who the public needs to badger and badger, uh, email, calling, writing, showing up at campaign events and forcing the issue to be talked about. Uh, It's just like the dog park with the council members getting them to do something. It's the same thing with health care is getting our Congress people and our senators to move on this issue. At the end of the day, that's what's going to happen. You know, Obamacare is... um, you know, we're, we are kind of like that snowball at the top of the hill, rolling down the hill, slowly hitting a few trees yeah. here and there, rumbling down. Uh, our health care is rumbling down the hill, uh, getting to the point where eventually we'll have a Medicare for all, but it's a huge fight as we go down that hill, and we have to keep up the fight. We have to bring it up whenever we see our elected officials to get them to do something about it and keep the pressure on. It's It's really... It is that uh, it's that simple of a message uh, is keeping the pressure on the elected officials to get something done on this topic. So I will focus my attention on the the state level, uh, not the state level, the federal level. Federal level. And uh, I will uh, uh, start focusing my attention there. Mark, we're out of time again. Thank you for being awesome uh, and for caring about uh, Tenafly and for sharing uh, from your vast storehouse of knowledge, experience, uh, well-thought-out thoughts, and uh, your insights. How can people get in contact with you? So my email is mark, M-A-R-K, underscore Zinna, Z-I-N-N-A, at yahoo.com. Mark underscore Zinna at yahoo.com. That's my uh, personal email, and uh, you can reach out to me anytime. Uh, your listeners can reach out to me anytime they'd like. And my, uh, my campaign website for May of this year is Zinna2019. I will place a link in with uh, today's uh, description. Okay, Hercules, it's always a pleasure to be with you here. Uh, The same here, and I'm looking forward to uh, our next uh, conversation. I have a panel uh, I'm organizing as well, so I will communicate details as soon as I have them. Okay. Thanks, Hercules. Thank you again, and thank you to your listeners. Okay, and thank you, Mark. Have an awesome day. And uh, to all of us here, you too, Mark. And to all of us here, we're going to listen to Odyssey. Uh, It has nothing to do with uh, Odysseus, but uh, uh, being who I am, I love the title. So we'll play that song. Or we won't. The board won't let me play it. So let's try Moonwalker. People wake, they wake, they rise. Turn their eyes to a new day, but they do not realize. They live like it's yesterday. Small talk from small minds, small accusations, big 
And welcome back to the Elysium Project. I'm your host, Hercules Invictus, and I am honored to pass on my scepter uh, to Astrid for the Sussex Report. Greetings and welcome, Astrid. How are you? Greetings, and luckily I am on the air. We have power. We just had our third major torrential downpour up here in Sussex County. Uh, you know, we have the lake effect here. So uh, when you're living by bodies of water, you just seem to get more blasts of thunderstorms and these little things that other counties just don't seem to have, except, of course, South Jersey being so close to the coast. They have situations there, too. Oh, most certainly so. And uh, I'm so looking forward to um, learning more about uh, the elements, and it seems like the elements are expressing themselves. Wow. And, you know, I'd like to add a little little uh, comment to what uh, Mark was just talking about, about Medicare okay. for Oil. 
just quickly so we can get on to what we have to talk about in terms of the four elements. But uh, it has to be on a federal level. Mark is so correct. Okay. If you look at the state of New Jersey, which, you know, you have your Medicare, which covers 80% and you've paid into it. When you retire and you reach 65, uh, what happens is they base your uh, fee for your Medicare coverage on your income. So they have a sliding rule of what you're going to be paying in premiums. Then, of course, you need a secondary to cover the 20%. Well, uh, if you remember a while back, it had to be like maybe a month ago, we talked about uh, Sweeney, the Speaker of the House in New Jersey, saying that um, one way they could balance the budget is to take public employees off our supposed gold plan insurances. That 20%, uh, we get that covered by uh, by your local, your state government picks that up. And normally what happened is you had New Jersey Blue Cross Blue Shield. If you were a retired um, school teacher, if you're in the SHIP plan and you're involved with, the, with pension, and then that changed this year as of January 1st. Uh, now you could... You didn't opt. You were told you were going with Medicare, PPO, and Aetna, and it was a combined Medicare plan. You really didn't know that much about it. It was supposed to be so wonderful. And if you wanted to stay, as we previously had, you know, the two separate cards, two separate entities, and um, you'd have to pay another fee to keep that Blue Cross Blue Shield. So most of us went with the Aetna and uh, the PPO. And then you find as you go along that it isn't as great as the other plan in the sense that now everything must be pre-approved. Everything has to be pre-approved. And you can wait quite a while for to see if you're pre-approved for tests. I've been through this since January with certain situations. Uh, I went to the hospital for a particular test my doctor wanted to have, and I was told I would have to pay, that it would not be approved. And when I got to the hospital, they're telling me, oh, no, you, you should have a pre-authorization code. One hand doesn't know what the other hand is doing with health care in New Jersey. And I, I was amazed. I said, well, I've called, and this is what you end up doing. You, as the person who is proactive and invested in your health, has to be doing all the research. So you call up this one, you call up that one, you call up Aetna and say, well, what about this, what about that? You call the doctor again. No, you're going to have to pay. Well, like I just said to them, listen, just take it and let me pay you the $99 for this test. And because one of the administrators dealing with insurance said, you better because if you don't and she gets billed, because it's not covered and there's no pre-approval, she's going to get hit with a lot more money to pay than $99. There you go. So much wow. for the way even supposedly Medicare is being handled with some people in New Jersey. So, yes, Mark, you were right. It has to be federal and across the board because, the, as you can see, every state does things their own way. So do you know of any, because you send me a lot of uh, uh, petitions and links yes. and things like that, and uh, honestly, I don't have the uh, background to understand chunks of what I'm reading, uh, but you looked into the great depth. Is there anything, uh, I'll ask you the same question I asked uh, Mark for the same reasons. Um, I am, you know, as you know, I'm over 60, and mm-hmm. uh, 
I'm what do you call it? even though I lift weights uh, several times a week and I'm you know generally in great shape. I do have diabetes type two, and I'm certainly sure. not as strong as I was uh, a decade ago, where I could lift things that now uh, are presently. Uh, not in my range. Although, again, I hit against that all the time. But I like to be as healthy as I possibly can be and to do all that I can, and not just in terms of taking care of my personal health, but I've gotten involved with my community. I'm part of the mayor's uh, optimal wellness campaign uh, right. here in Tennessee. Uh, have developed shows, have developed uh, in-town initiatives, and uh, I would like to extend uh, what I'm doing to legislation that would give us uh, um, universal health care. Most definitely, and I will give you more information because, like I said, today I found out through experience with these different tests, and I'm seeing a pattern here. Uh, it takes a while for pre-approval with this one particular um, PPO, Medicare, and Aetna combination that uh, retired educators have. Um, it seems that there are just too many variables for all different walks of life. Even with public servants, their insurance varies according, I guess, to what they put into it, what gets uh, decided, uh, by whom. It varies, and there are too many different elements. So you can't say public workers, no, because, you know, the firemen and policemen have their own union. They have their own type of insurance, secondary insurance. Um, this is strictly now the educators who have been putting all this money and maybe got less money in terms of raises because you were told you will get, when you retire, you will get this coverage. So there are a lot of fallacies. And like I said, like a river has tributaries. There are tributaries all over the place, and I think it's something we need to look into. And I'm going to do more research and see why it's like this and uh, what is going on between these two things if the viewers are interested. Now, getting back to our elements, I'm going to start, before I even get into with this this issue up in Sussex County, I want to start with something positive. Good. And um, I have this great article. It was an editorial about climate change and stated that New Jersey can achieve 100% clean energy by 2050. And it was written by the president of the New Jersey Board of Public Utilities. So it was very interesting because it gave credence to climate change. And talking about how half the counties in New Jersey are getting failing grades for air quality caused by pollution and greenhouse gases, and then said we are so lucky that our Governor Murphy is a national environmental and clean energy leader, and he is working to, you know, he supports the Climate Alliance in Paris. He is kept the promise that he's going to campaign on commitment to 100% clean energy, and he has recoup the ground lost under the Christie administration. And really interesting because it talked about collaboration, and that's what we need to hear. That isn't just a few of us. And and it talked, basically this man, Joseph, talked about people individually making changes in personal lives to sustain a more livable planet, you know, switching to programmable, programmable thermostats, utilizing solar energy, driving electric cars. So there are people that are committed, you know, doing real recycling, not just saying, well, I'll throw it in the garbage. What does, good does it do? Well, there is, in the state of New Jersey, a draft 2019 energy master plan, and it's supposed to be published in December, and the blueprint is calling for more electrification of buildings and transportation sectors, which those two alone 
create most of the emissions. I found that interesting. And to drive down total energy demand and greenhouse gas emissions, promoting clean energy like wind and solar, and that the electric sector won't add any more carbon dioxide to the atmosphere by 2050. And they're going to do a lot of analysis. uh, And what I like is that this plan, they're going to ask for input on the draft plan from as many stakeholders as possible. They're going to, from today, start holding six stakeholder meetings. They'll welcome written comments versus uh, via email, which is wonderful. You can find the full draft plan, stakeholder meeting details, and how to submit comments at the website of nj.gov slash EMP. I think that's wonderful. We're actually going to have a say. Marvelous. And I will send you that site. I know I didn't send that to you yet. I know you've been deluged with sites. I sent you a lot on fracking, which we will discuss in a minute. I appreciate it because, uh, again, whatever uh, time I have to devote to expanding my knowledge, uh, you send me a wealth of places uh, to go. Right, because you need to have the correct information. And I will skim over the surface in our limited time to get people a little interested in what these sites are saying. You know, it's like a little headline. It is basically um, subcategories and, you know, an outline. It's just the basics. And then people can decide what they'd like to pursue on their own with these different websites. And as well, the Friends of Sussex Wantage Library presented a whole um, thing on climate chaos called Reducing Your Carbon Footprint with Solar Energy and Electric Vehicles. I think that's wonderful because even the library system up here is getting involved with, yes, talk about community involvement, energy conservation, high efficiency heating and cooling, different solar electric systems. I think that's wonderful. And they, they were getting into, I love this, this term, community shared solar systems. Awesome. And they said it, it's been employed in 16 states, and it allows residents to go solar without rooftop panels, which is interesting. <laughs> I'd like to know a little bit more about that. And um, these were free programs at the Sussex Wantage Library. So it's a matter of if you're in Sussex County, Contact the library, Sussex County uh, Libraries, and to find out some background information on what they're doing concerning their topics and workshops. Isn't that wonderful? Yes, that is. That is, that is incredibly awesome. Um, I try as much as possible to promote. Uh, I can't promote everything that our local libraries are doing, but if it's something within the uh, spheres uh, uh, that uh, I'm focused upon, uh, if they let me know about it, I gladly help spread uh, the word. And I'm I'm very connected with the Crestville Public Library, so they are more informed. <laughs> so I'm able to promote more of their things. But right, just wonderful, wonderful. Now we're going to go into a quick review, a recap on the toxic algae blooms that we talked about okay. last week. And yeah. we basically said that we had three lakes in New Jersey that were victim, fell victim. Swartzwood Lake for a very short time because it was one. It was confined to one area, so that was temporary. Then there was Sunset Lake that was involved. The worst one, of course, is Lake Apacon because it involved almost the entire lake. And at this point, there is 
no solution. There have been meetings with the EAP and the DEP. There are all these different meetings going on, but no real answers. And, um, again, you know, we talked about how this is new to New Jersey, basically, but Lake Erie had one of the worst situations. It was in October 2011 with the uh, intense production of microcysteine, which is a liver toxin that is caused by wow. certain certain bacteria from the algae when the algae breaks down and, and what's being contained in there. It's not just one thing. They're, they're called cyan, cyanobacteria. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right. They're given off by the algae. So there are different types. They have to test to see what the story is. And now we have another lake involved. And that is Greenwood Lake, which is another large lake and encompasses New Jersey and New York. So now we've moved on to another one. Greenwood Lake, the West Milford Health Department, closed three beaches so far. And um, that's not a good thing. Three beaches. So um, they did say, this is the latest now, they are going, the EPA and the U.S. Geological Society have deployed high-tech monitoring buoys. It is a comprehensive response to widespread algae blooms at Lake Abacon. And basically you'll see little, uh, an acronym is H-A-B, Harmful Algae Bloom, because they're not going to keep talking about that long-term and uh, so if you see H-A-B, that's what it stands for. And they are going to study it. They will be doing wow. surface water samples Tuesdays and Thursdays. They will post them on the sites. And they stated that they need three conditions for these H-A-Bs to occur. Warm water, standing water, and elevated nutrients which in this case basically is phosphorus and nitrogen. So you say, well, how can this come to be? Well, warm water, here we go. It's happening sooner than uh, later. Usually it's a fall issue with these blooms uh, after the warm summer, but because of, of the warm temperatures, these lakes are not getting algae die-off in the winter, mm-hmm. and the warm weather is coming earlier you have flash flooding that's happening all over the East Coast now. It's not just New Jersey. Uh, and as we know, our friend Bill had issues in Florida with all this flash flooding, the East Coast. He had an issue and, and a personal um, horrifying situation with these blooms having an effect on his health, compromising his health. So we're going to have more storms. There is no two-way about it. We're going to have elevated sea levels, we're going to have more heated water in standing water like lakes. We can control, and what people should be doing is watching the runoff system because, you know, these nitrogens with with all the fertilizers, people using um, phosphates in their detergent, not a good thing. Start going natural. Believe me, there are very many type of, of cleansers that are out there that were used before these chemicals came to be. And basically the bicarbonate, good old, you know, mutine borax. And there are, um, if you go to uh, Soapope, which is a great natural company that, that uh, serves all of uh, the whole country in terms of different products that are health-based, 
and I'm a firm believer in indigo, uh, indigo wild, which and they basically make something called Zumclean, Z-U-M-C-L-E-A-N, no phosphates. It is a company, Zumclean, and what it is are they don't call it laundry detergent; they call it laundry soap. It is a natural occurring way to wash your clothes, and it has essential oils in it, which help. You use minimal, and you don't have to use softeners. And I've seen a difference in my clothes. The condition of the clothes, they're lasting longer, they smell better, they are cleaner, and um, no itching from those horrifying uh, softeners. So there's another way. Also, if you have a septic system, you really need uh-huh. to monitor that system because it's not just you. And maybe you're not on a lake, but you're on a higher level and there's runoff. So these are things we have to look at. Oh, most certainly so. And uh, I was uh, sharing with uh, Mark earlier uh, the insight that you and I had spoken about, that the more you focus on the challenges uh, and what people are doing about them, the more you discover that uh, the world is not lacking and our state of New Jersey is not lacking no. people who want to do something about things. So we're right. not an apathetic and uncaring and inactive people. Uh, no. We are indeed very caring and very interactive and uh, very much involved. You're right. And, you know, the thing is getting the information, and, and that's what we're here for, you know, and thank Thank the gods and goddesses that you have afforded a platform where people can do that. You know, where people have done research and they're involved with different organizations. They've found websites that have done studies that are true to fact. Uh, matter of fact, I'm sure that uh, Bill is going to have a guest in, with the, uh, that is involved with the Sierra Club. Yes. Wonderful. Well, I just want to tell you that and I'm not going to say this man's name because I am not going to pronounce it wrong and and uh, do him a disservice. But uh, Jeff, who is the director of the New Jersey Sierra Club, remarked upon this D.E.P.E.A.P. way of dealing with Lake Apacon and said, but this is the response instead of dealing with overdevelopment, stormwater runoff and the elimination of environmental protection set in place by the EAP, which have been set back I don't know how many years, thanks to this, this president's way of thinking that it's all an illusion and putting in people in the EPA. How many people have we gone through now to head that department? About five? Yes, because, Yes, because started with Scott Pruitt. Because of their ties to corruption – or to the coal lobbying industry. Amazing. And he said we have to also look into that, septics, fertilizer, overbuilding. These are the things that should be done. Just monitoring it is just showing that they're, they're making a feeble attempt. They're making a feeble attempt to placate the residents, residents of Lake Apacon. It's a shame. Yeah, it is a shame. It is a shame. But uh, another good thing that's going on is that there is a cleanup of the Delaware River. This is the 30th annual river cleanup that's sponsored by Kittatiddy Canoes, and it took place on Tuesday. So for 30 years they've been doing this, cleaning up the Delaware, which is so noteworthy that they have been doing it all along. 
Another thing that's going on is the EPA is proposing, are you ready for this amount, $11.5 million cleanup of a Byram Superfund site. Now, Byram is in Sussex County. Uh, It is dealing with the Mansfield Trail Dump Superfund. For many years until the 1970s, people that owned some land around that area privately sold their land as a dump site for $5, dumping anything and everything, unasked, unforeseen, no questions asked. And in 2004, they found out that there was high levels of trichloroethylene, which is highly toxic in the water and the ground. They are having a public meeting next week, Tuesday, 7 p.m., the Byram Municipal Building. You can find out information about this at www.epa.gov slash superfund slash Mansfield dash trail. 2004, they found out that the water was contaminated only because of a realtor deciding to do a test on the well in that area. And this we talked about this last week, that kudos to a law being passed in New Jersey saying that when a house gets sold, they, if there's a well, it must be tested and be up to certain standards. Uh, the real estate industry was not too happy. 2004, and it's now 2019. Why did it take 15 years to deal Why? with it? That's frightening, and I will send you that site. I will send you that. And, and, you know, go ahead. There is a a great going about talking about different sites. Act at credoaction.com is asking for people to sign a petition for Harvard University to commit to divesting from fossil fuels. They do tons of research there at Harvard University. They also get an endowment of $40 billion. That's a B, not an M, billion dollars, and they do research. And the research says we have to have accountability to the future, and climate change is real. They're talking the talk, but yet they're not walking the walk. What are they doing? Heavily invested in fossil fuels. Mm. That's not good. That's not good. So, I mean, you can say this and that, but there comes a point when not just doing the research, why are you investing in this? You know, it's frightening. It really is. And um, I would like to now spend the rest of the time, which is about 10 minutes, talking about fracking. Because we all know fracking is a horror. There is, Yes. yes, they get a lot more fuel. They do it on the land. They also frack off the coast. And what they do, in order to understand the effects of it, you have to know how it's, what it does and how you do this. They create fractures in shale formation in the ground. They go very deep to release gas. And they have to use a chemical, a fracturing fluid. And I love this because I didn't say chemical. A fracturing fluid is pumped under high pressure into the drilling pipes to widen or create new fractures in the earth in the earth the recovered water is contaminated with chemicals and salts from the rock formation now when they do this they're getting 
fuel, but they're also causing a lot of problems because the water has to be, it's contaminated and it has to be stored. It's contaminated water. Where are they storing this? There is air and water pollution involved. There's even theories saying, well, maybe the earthquakes that are happening are happening because of all of this fracking that's happening all over. When they do this process, methane is released into the environment, in the air, and it is 25 times stronger than carbon dioxide, which is released from breathing. So unbelievable. And you say to yourself, well, then why are they doing it? They're doing it because of fuel. But it's not just fuel, because petroleum and all of this fuel is how plastics are produced. Uh Which I never, yes, we're back to plastics. And I never realized, you know, I never made that connection. But they're right. The plastic pollution is taking over the planet. It's in the water, it's in the food, it's in the oceans, it's threatening animals and humans. And people want to address it. But you need to stop it from the source. And fracked gas is a key building block for plastics. Why? Because, again, it's much cheaper. The cost of formulating the plastics is cheaper when it's done this way. So here we go again with the economic situation. You know, it's about money again. So uh, there is a great organization that's really involved with watching the water and what's done with the water, and that is called Food and Water Action. And I know I sent that to you, you know, the article. And I would just, you know, we think in terms of linear thinking, but we need to start thinking horizontally and how when things are done, it doesn't just affect one thing. And it's not just the air and the water, it's also economics, you know, for yes. plastics production and the speeding it up. And, and it, it seems to be it's more about money than anything else. And, and this is where, as Mark had said, we need to contact our legislators and our Senate. This, these things have to be brought up. I'm happy to say the House of Representatives are looking at all these different things. And they pass it, and then it goes to the Senate, and Mitch McConnell, who is the, the, uh, the chair there of the floor, refuses to even bring it to the floor. So that's something for our listeners to think about. And in closing, and this is just such a great way to end this, because we're talking about how it affects everything, there was a great article with studies that are being done, research about extreme weather, floods, in Louisiana and the Midwest, then all of these horrifying fires in California, and they said it's a lot worse than what we know because the movement of toxic substances by storms and wildfires just join another list that climate change poses to Americans' health because of the fact that there is a toxic stew brewing. And we all know that this started, the studies and the research, back with 9-11, with all the firefighters and and all of the people that volunteered to clean up the area and search for people and look at the horrifying toxic effects it had, how many had cancer, 
lung issues, kidney, liver damage. It's frightening, absolutely frightening. And um, the uh, environmental health centers and professors studying it and doing this, talking about the chemicals, said uh, whenever you have a natural disaster, all of these chemicals are exposed. You have a toxic brew. And I forgot about that. You know, your ground, it's not just the lakes with the, and this, that's just a minute thing. I'm sure Lake Apacon doesn't consider it minute, but all of these different elements that led to this, you know, and all these different nitrogen and nutrients and, and septic systems and the weather change, which we don't have much, you know, effect over. But there are things such as sewage, asbestos, heavy metals, all these different things that go into our lungs, the drinking yeah. water, and our air. So there, there is a lot to do. And uh, while you were talking, um, many ideas came flooding into my mind. Um, yeah. And if we had uh, more time, I would go into them now. We have a few minutes, so I'll, t- I'll touch on them. Um, Astrid, uh, there are many like uh, things that you've done uh, on your own uh, and of your own initiative uh, that fit in very, very powerfully uh, in uh, things as I see them and as you know, as they're unfolding, they're heading in that direction. So uh, what you've started to do, I'd like to spread the circle even wider. So I have some Beautiful. ideas which uh, we can talk about. And uh, one of them will be on Facebook, which is uh, where I primarily, at this particular point, spread the show. Uh, I'll be adding LinkedIn very soon, uh, but on Facebook, the posts that you sent me, I want to break them down so that every day I post uh, either good news or something environmental or sure. something well-related, because those are the areas you focus on primarily, and those are the areas that uh, I focus on primarily as well. So uh, that would be an awesome thing, and I look forward to exploring uh, possibilities with you some more. That's Thank you. great. I will end with this. There are some great studies being done. And if you get involved with the PBS or any of these different stations, you know, it's PBS in one area, it's Connecticut as a great, you know, uh, public TV, uh, WLIW is wonderful. They have this wonderful series with NOVA, and it's called Sinking Cities, and it's talking about the four major cities in the world. As a matter of fact, tonight New York City was on, but London was really interesting, talking about rising sea levels and and the effect of all these storms and runoff waters. And and it's amazing. Our listeners would really appreciate the knowledge from and the reality of the situation. And I'm sure um, uh, I'm sure. Bill's next guess is going to go into that being the Sierra Club. It's amazing with the overbuilding, you know, what's happening with the waters and the EPA being, uh, you know, totally stripped of um, logic (laughs) and um, rewriting the rules and cutting back. So, um, yeah, Sinking Cities, it's a wonderful, wonderful series. I posted the link that you sent uh, about London. Uh, That's already up there. Uh, But anything recommend uh we could add those to the daily uh you know uh as long as we have like 10 a week or so um oh i'll definitely send them your way what i'll do is as i accumulate all this information i will send it to you you know so i'm not doing it all in one night 
And that way you have it, and I will explain how that link ties into uh, the different uh, commentaries we've had here and releasing of information. Thank you so very much. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you for being a guest. I love every minute I spend with you. So have a wonderful night, Astrid. And uh, I hope that uh, the the storms are uh, <laughs> as extreme as they're sounding. And uh, I hope that well, we just had our third one, and I see hourly. Like tomorrow doesn't look like it's going to be such a a wonderful experience. More storm runoff, but uh, again, that's for another future discussion. <laughs> Okay, have a wonderful night. Thanks again. Wonderful night, and thanks again for keeping that platform open. Okay, be well. Um, we're going to well. be back after a quick song, uh, which is going to be Evolve uh, by Bumpo's Orchestra, and uh, we are going to then return with Bill Waitman and Greg Gorman on I on Northern New Jersey.
And, and, and basically, the algae, what is it, flow to the surface uh, because of the heat? Is that what uh, brings it about? I mean, it seems these systems seem to arrive uh, with warmer temperatures. Uh, well, the water, if, if, you, if you have the nutrients in the water, uh, phosphates, nitrogen, uh, which are probably brought in by the uh, by the severe rains we had all through June, um, and with the right temperature conditions, uh, then then what happens is, is the the bacteria is always in the water, but you just the, the blooms uh, just uh, the right conditions and and it uh, covers the entire surface. Let me ask you now. Uh, I read the Jeff Tittle, please. Did I did I first of all did I pronounce his last name right? Uh, it's Jeff Tittle. Yeah, I, no, Jeff, Jeff Tittle's I the mean, director I, of the New Jersey Sierra Club. Now he had uh, over. He differed with the state on what to do uh, with uh, Lake Apacon, which I believe is a twenty-something mile lake. Um, uh, how did he differ with the state in, in his outlook? I mean, he seemed alarmed about them putting some kind of things in, you know, doing tests. He was it seemed like he was more inclined for some kind of action. Well. The uh, the state announced uh, DEP uh, uh, along with the with the federal government provided uh, high tech buoys to uh, detect uh, the uh, bacteria and and basically that's what they're using currently to monitor the uh, monitor, monitor the bacteria in the lake and uh, hopefully uh, you'll start picking up some uh, readings that uh, uh, that is below the level. Uh, but you know that that's that's a action you know and, and uh, this bacteria, regrettably, there's nothing you can do to you know to kill it off or remediate. It just has to run through its cycle. Uh, what uh, Jeff Tittle was saying is you have to be proactive. Uh, you got to enforce uh, enforce your codes, uh, particularly uh, codes involving fertilization of your lawns. As well as uh, septic rules, um, that's that's an important thing. Um, at the meeting, they they thought maybe the uh, additional phosphates in the uh, water may be coming from the uh, Weldon uh, Weldon quarry, Weldon Farm quarry over yeah. near Woodport. Um, others uh, thought. Uh, the uh, upstream on the Weldon Brook Wildlife Management Area, the uh, DEP has been uh, conducting uh, logging operations in accordance with their forest stewardship plan. Uh, that may be a source, although if they're doing it properly, they, they maintain adequate buffers between where they're cutting and the stream. Uh, but sometimes... Uh, you know that gets violated, you know, by the heavy equipment uh, running through the streams or something that uh, uh, that, that that may cause a problem. Um, you know, we uh, I uh, told you, uh, I guess earlier that uh, the DEP came in to clean our our lake out, which is uh, at the beginning of Sussex County uh, on Route 23, right after uh, uh, right after you pass West Milford, which is where uh, Greenwood Lake, I guess, starts out. Um, and um, then they switched themselves to uh, go up on Sparta Mountain. Now, you've been involved with Sparta Mountain. Uh, 
there's an Edison uh, mining operation that's closed. Um, but I never understood the uh, relationship between the DEP and the Audubon Society cutting down trees above all those lakes, which are really feeders for Newark Reservoir System and for our own lake recreational systems. Do you have any comment on that? I'm putting you on a little bit on the spot. Well, the uh, New Jersey Audubon Society, which is an independent organization, is not affiliated with the National Audubon Society. This is specifically for New Jersey. they have uh, professional foresters on their staff, and the state has given grants to the New Jersey Audubon Society to uh, do some of this uh, forest planning. They're the ones that uh, basically inventoried the uh, the forest uh, and came up with the, what they call a forest management plan. In the case of Sparta Mountain, uh, the focus on that is to establish what they call the young forest, mm-hmm. and 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 basically the, it's a relatively simple thing. If you wanna uh, wanna uh, make young forest, you cut old forest down, and and so that's what they're doing. They're making big swaps, and when that happens, uh, the uh, lake communities in particular in Ogdensburg, it uh, it has its uh, Peter's Pond and, and, and some of the other other lake communities, uh, I guess yours, uh, Lake Tamarack, Stockholm, um, Beaver Lake. Uh, the we're concern is, is, yeah, they, they're all directly related. And, and, the, and uh, for instance, the uh, Beaver Lake had uh, filed a suit to stop it until they made some kind of uh, legal agreements that they wouldn't do any of the uh, major cuttings uh, in their vicinity that would affect their watershed. Hogginsburg uh, worked the same deal. But notwithstanding, uh, from the Sierra Club's perspective, there's a string of vernal pools that go from Edison Pond uh, up to Route 23 and even across Route 23 into the uh, Hamburg Mountain Wildlife Management Area, and uh, you know, there's uh, because there's no people there, you, you don't know what's going to happen up there until too late. If you, I guess if you see um, what what kind of wildlife, I know you have things like bears there. What what else do you have in that wildlife uh, management well, system? Well, Sparta Mountain in particular, it has uh, a very high percentage of. Uh, variety of plants and animals a lot of uh, because vernal pools are so unique uh, there's a lot of endangered species and threatened species uh, salamanders for instance uh, that uh, that breed in the vernal pools you know they're they're uh, because of the geological history and uh, they're they're unique uh, basically to the pools that they they breed in and there's you know, additional plants. Yeah, it's, it's just uh, it's an interesting uh, biota up there. I haven't seen a salamander uh, since I was a kid, and I never saw one up here. I, I saw one in uh, a rural section of Fort Lee that's uh, where they used to film movies, and uh, mm-hmm. I haven't seen one, one since. Uh, 
you know, I, I, I was telling you earlier and uh, the listeners, um, uh, you know, about 10 years ago before the DEP cleaned our lake, there were otters uh, swimming in the lake. I had a sailboat, uh, one of a sunfish sailboat, styrofoam, and uh, right. they were swimming, right? But, you know, it was a joy to see some of these animals and gigantic turtles. I, I you know, um, I don't know how to, I don't know what, you know, bushel, bigger than bushel baskets. Uh, Yeah, a lot lot of snapping turtles up there, yeah. Uh, I think uh, somebody reported seeing a fisher, which uh, are not too many. I think they're usually up there in the Catskills, but in New Jersey, they're sort of uh, endangered or threatened species. Somebody said they saw a fisher, which is a a pretty big animal. Right, it's, uh, it, it usually uh, usually lives in waterways and things like that. I, but, I, uh, I, I I told you earlier today that I've seen two auto uh, two mountain lions, and um, uh, I talked to Parker Space, who runs a zoo, and he, he and his father laughed at me. <laughs> he called them bobcats, but bobcats just have like a bob tail. Uh, mountain lions right. have a long tail, so there was no mm-hmm. mistake. But and they were they were one was right on our deck. Um, it, it's a shame. I, I I'm going to switch in a second back to uh, some blunders I think that the Christie administration made, and I'm wondering uh, how far it was there an impact. And uh, that's really about the uh, septic uh, systems in the Highlands. Um, I I sent a piece to Hercules who's behind the, the scenes. Can you go into um, that issue, and what is the Highlands? Well, the the the, the Highlands uh, basically it's a federal designation. The, the Highlands stretches from just north of Philadelphia uh, through New Jersey, New York, up into Connecticut, uh, and it's basically the the largest uh, intact uh, forest that we have on the East Coast. Uh, and it provides uh, water resources for millions of people. And in, in the case of New Jersey, I think it's uh, 6 million people uh, rely on the highlands for, for its water. Uh, and it's not just uh, uh, the water, but uh, uh, but for residents and people, but also the businesses, uh, you know, throughout the area. It uh, mm-hmm. serves as... Uh, Newark, uh, you know, and 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 the coast down through there, and then down below uh, in the Delaware and Philadelphia, you know, all rely on the on the island's water to some degree. Is that the would you say the highlands, the highlands and the um, the mountain chain uh, that people walk? Uh, what is it, the um, Appalachian Trail? Are they pretty well, much linked together? Yeah, the Appalachian Trail runs along Kittatinny Ridge, which is uh, basically parallels uh, the western side of Sussex County, up from Delaware Water Gap uh, up to High Point, and then uh, cuts across uh, Vernon into New York. Uh, you have know, different sites uh, along the way. Uh, you know, probably the the most fun one and a lot of people use is what they call the Pochock Boardwalk, which is in Vernon. 
and then uh, probably the best views are uh, not so much on the Kittatinny Ridge, but uh, what they call the Stairway of Heaven, which is uh, near <laughs> Weiwei Yanda. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, pretty, yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. good. Yeah, I think it's Where pretty steep up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it, it, it gets kind of steep when you climb that, you know, you're on your fours, all fours, you know. But when you get to the top, you turn around and see the valley across the sky, it's a wonderful sight. Good to go. With In, in the Highlands, Governor Christie um, wanted to – how far did he get with his plan to put septic uh, – uh, systems in the highlands and actually increase. Well, the old- what, he, what, he, what he did was he changed the rules, the, the septic system density rules. Um, and that was done uh, in June of 2017, which was the last year he did. And then and after he had uh, processed that, uh, those changes, uh, uh, Environmentalists, foul uh, cases, injunctions, and things like that. So in reality, uh, it put a big scare into the Highlands and a lot of environmental groups. But bottom line is, is according uh, information I got from Elliot Ruga of the Highlands Coalition, uh, there were never any permits uh, for the developers to expand. Now what what the what the changes were 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 basically. Uh, Increase the density of uh, the density standards. And I'm just trying to get specific here. Uh, for instance, uh, for a farm, 80-acre farm, you're allowed to have so many homes there, and I think it was four. But uh, he reduced that uh, from from one out of 88 acres to one out of every 23 acres. And basically, uh, what that would have done would have not only uh, allowed more homes to be built, but uh, those homes would need roads and and uh, what I'll call horizontal uh, horizontal development in terms of uh, telephone wires and power lines and things like that, and uh, it would be very detrimental, you know, to the uh, to the. It certainly would have an impact on, say, water systems like the Newark Reservoir or, or even small lakes like our, uh, that exist along the Route 23 corridor. Um, would you would you guess that would be the case if it if well, they had gone? Well, in, 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 in that small area, it would add it, uh, you know, 1,300 homes uh, on 22-acre lots, you know, and 1,300 homes, that draws a lot of water out of your aquifer because typically the homes, there's, there's not too many water systems there that uh, don't rely on the on, uh, on wells and things like that. But, yeah, it would have caused. And then and plus, you know, when these developers uh, move in, you know, they don't make uh, small homes like you and I have, uh, you know, they're usually no. they're McMansions, you know, that they build, you know. It's uh, most cost-effective, and, and uh, you know, for what they're developing, you want to maximize their... Uh, so we take care of the needs of uh, a precious few over the needs of uh, uh, a restless many, maybe, might be the case. Yeah. I mean, yeah. people in our county and, uh, and, and areas all the way down. Right. You know, you got it. Is 
I'm going to go back to Sparta Mountain because it does border me. I mean, I used to go to Boy Scout cabins up there. Um, right. Is that part of the Highlands as well? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. The, the Highlands, uh, at least in terms of the Sussex County, uh, runs through uh, Sparta Township, down through Opakong, uh, Myram. Uh, actually, Hamburg and Franklin are, are within the district of the Highlands. Vernon, Hardiston. Uh, yeah, it's a big hunk of it, you know, and then it continues on down into Warren and Huntington County. It comes out just wow. south of Alabama. You know, I uh, going back to Lake Apakong, the Highlands, and in general, in uh, 1964, uh, we had a bad um, we had a bad drought. Right. All the lakes along Route 23, Lake Apakong, opened their dams and uh, emptied water into the Newark Reservoir, so the city um, the city would have water to drink. And uh, it, it ended our summer, but it, it was it was definitely a need. Um, I'm going to ask you a question. I don't know if there's any scientific proof of this. I know Newark has bad drinking water. Uh, it's a big issue, just somewhere along the lines of Flint. And uh, fracking waste, I was told by somebody in the, the town of Franklin that they use frank, fracking la- uh, waste uh, uh, for, um, to de-ice the, the roads in the, in the winter in, in Sussex County. Down, you know, down past the reservoir in, in Newark, uh, or, or in Oak Ridge, or wherever it is. Is that? There's a. They 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 have a salt solution that they use a lot, and that that was solely for Sussex County. I think the uh, the mixer was in Andover, but uh, I don't I don't I don't believe I know Susan Williams. She was involved uh, with a lot with the water mm-hmm. issues. Uh, she's uh, she's also involved with the Sierra Club in uh, in Sussex County in the Skylands area, and uh, she looked into that. But 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 I, but I don't think they ever ever brought that on. I know I know they were using allowing them to use fracking uh, waste uh, in Pennsylvania. I think they still do for some, but but they have to do certain tests. They used it in West Virginia and. Uh, uh, where they were getting their frack water uh, in West Virginia was radioactive, and it uh, oh my. raised yeah, it was some of the, it raised it raised the levels of the, some of their streams that they were using, and they had to make uh, yeah. So it, it uh, but but fracking, you know, the uh, the uh, oil and gas companies that they use that method, they don't have to disclose what's in the water. And That's it's right. pretty hard for them to do that because you know once they mix the chemicals, it goes down into the into the earth and uh, it gets forced up with the pressure, and, and who knows what's coming up uh, out of the uh, earth, particularly in uh, Pennsylvania, you know, which uh, has basically a third, or yeah, I think it was a third of their streams polluted just from the coal mines. Yeah, I. I that's where my uh, one side of my family came from, those coal mines in uh, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, is the Delaware, uh, you know, does the Delaware in any way, I, I Delaware serves as a uh, water source for New York City, I believe, or New York State, and for Pennsylvania. Can that be impacted by fracking or any of the uh, things going on? 
Well, they uh, and with the Delaware uh, River Basin Commission uh, just recently voted to uh, ban fracking permanently in the basin, and uh, the ban included uh, outlawing the uh, withdrawals of water for fracking and and, and for bringing uh, processing of frack waste into the river. Wait. With all so this stuff going, and I, I, I've run for office and been endorsed by the Sierra Club. Um, do you take litigation against uh, you know companies and even governmental agencies? Because I, I know there is organizations like um, in my area. I grew up in Bergen County in Richfield, a uh, town where they're putting up. Uh, uh, I guess it's ironic now, but they're putting up a. Uh, a power uh, uh, electric power source for New York City. New York City obviously had a power a power outage the other night. But I mean, as a kid, uh, there was a lot of dumping in the uh, you know the, the water along the river, uh, the, the rivers of the Hackensack, the Sake. Right. kind of disappeared. Disappeared. I think I was joking to you or somebody about uh, carp and by our own uh, electric power plant, which is only about 300 yards away. I, I think it's a little excessive to have two power plants that close together. Uh, I, I, and I understand now that New York City may not have wanted that. Uh, I think it's a Con, Ed, a Con Edison pro- project. But what bothers me, uh, Gregory, is that they're running um, – not only are there problems if, if something goes wrong in the air. I mean, we, we've gotten the fish – and wildlife to return to the Meadowlands, which was really uh, bad news. But the lines are going under the Hudson River, and I don't know if that can cause any damage uh, to, to the Hudson River. The, the river was long a dumping source for GE. And, right, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, that, uh, the river, the GE dumping, that, that was closer up the up in Albany, and, uh, but yeah, it polluted the whole Hudson River. Yeah, you're probably I mean, talking about the North the North Bergen uh, power plant. They want to put along the uh, Hackensack River. Uh, that's it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the, the uh, they got some permits, but uh, basically, uh, and I, mean, I sort of think it's kind of funny because with the, uh, I think the last uh, speaker was talking about sinking cities. Well. Part of the sinking cities is uh, in Meadowlands, and uh, if uh, you know, Rucker's prediction of uh, a three-foot rise by 2050, uh, they'll build the uh, build this power plant and be underwater by you know in another 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I mean, it doesn't make any sense to do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, I uh, mean, they always make a few jobs, uh, you know. I, I right. Think the government right. office, he's, so I believe he supported it. But the towns nearby there, and uh, and I believe your group and other groups that have been there, I've been there. Um, I did, it's a heavily populated Hudson and Bergen County, even as down as far as Newark, are obviously the bulk yeah. of our population. And uh, that, that's kind of a bad thing, I think, to be that close. Uh, to, to a, a power plant that serves oh, yeah. most yeah, of the, the uh, it, it's a natural gas power plant they're proposing, and uh, uh, natural gas uh, uh, 
produces what they call NOx, nitrous oxide, that uh, uh, particularly on a day like today reacts with the sunlight and uh, produces ozone. You know, so oh, yeah. you have a level of ozone, and then that's very dangerous, you know, particularly if you have respiratory that's, problems. That will kill us. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. is very dangerous. I, yeah. I don't know. Um, this kind of got and, and that, through. Yeah, and the, and the other thing is, is uh, you know, you, you know, New Jersey has uh, proved uh, recently the uh, offshore wind production uh, in the state of New York, uh, they increased their goals to, to nine uh, gigawatts of uh, offshore wind. You know, they they have some wind power coming out of the uh, Lake Erie region, Ontario region, you know. But uh, they also want to develop uh, offshore wind off of Sandy Hook in Long Island. That would, that would yeah. Be so yeah. Well, but. But if you have all this offshore wind, you don't need these uh, extra power plants that the uh, gas companies want. And the only the, the only thing that these guys want to do is uh, uh, they can't can't control how much they make once they once they drill a hole in the, the fracking operation. Uh, the, the gas either comes up through the tube or it escapes. And uh, no, they I escape because it's a lot of they lose it. You know, they, I have uh, relatives. Uh, have a farm in on the, uh, in Ohio, um, you know, out past uh, the broken cities of Youngstown, and they've had gas. They've had that gas situation that comes out of a you know you turn the they have uh, uh, they're multi you know they have uh, cows they have they raise crops, but they've mm-hmm. had gas come that you know from fracking come out on their land, which was uh, which was when they we were kind of airing our griefs, uh, uh, grief, uh, grievances with fracking. That was one thing that came up, Pennsylvania and uh, Ohio, with that gas coming out of the ground. And uh, yeah. really sometimes mm-hmm. out of your sink, uh, which is bizarre. Yeah, what is it, it is. How do you figure, what is the quality of our drinking water in New Jersey? Do you know any... Well, it all depends, you know. I live in Hamburg, uh, and I, I just got my report, and I, I haven't seen any, any bad reports. I've been living here in Hamburg uh, for years. Like you said, Newark, Newark's got a problem. Uh, their, uh, their, their system was built, uh, you know, back in the 1800s, and they have, uh, you know, and maintained, you know, in lead pipes, so they have a big lead problem. In uh, Newark, a lot of a lot of the cities on the coast have that type of problem, um, and then of course you know the industrialization in New Jersey. Uh, you know, for instance, uh, in Pompton uh, Lakes, you got to watch where you're you're getting your water because it, it was polluted by Dupont uh, near Ramapo. The, the Ford plant uh, uh, polluted Delicious. those waters. You know, and, and and so you have super fine. In fact, we got one here in the, in Sussex County in Byram that they have a super fire, super fun site that they want to want to dig up and cap. You know, but they're modern wells. I think they're modern wells uh, in Byram. You know, so it's it's all over the place. You know, but, well, you uh, know, Franklin, uh, Franklin Pond, and you know, there's been recently some controversy about a woman breastfeeding. Uh, they op- reopened the pond. 
but I, they all, when they dug out that pond, I, I had a discussion with Senator Littell, you know, they only dug up part of it. They didn't get, and I don't know how much of the dirt they got rid of. So Metal Tech, I don't know if you go back to the time when Metal Tech was located on the edge of the pond, but that's now right. they, they've reached it for swimming again. Is that all right. that safe? And on yeah, that note, yeah, you're going to have to plan a, a part two episode. Uh, we're running out of time, uh, and I'd love uh, for you to share how folks can get in contact with you. This was a fascinating uh, segment, and I learned a great deal. Well, good. Thank you. Um, yeah, you can get hold of me. My name is Greg Gorman. I'm the chair of the Skylands Group. Uh, we're affiliated with the New Jersey Sierra Club. And uh, you can get hold of me uh, with my email. I'll give you my easy one. It's C H A C H A B A C O N at yahoo.com. That's Cha Cha Bacon, Dancing Pig, yes, <laughs> at Yahoo. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Bill, for another awesome show. I'm looking forward to uh, part two when uh, Greg uh, Gorman comes back to uh, uh, finish this exploration that we started uh, today. And uh, it's hard to believe you're a first timer, Greg. You did great. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm, uh, it was interesting. The uh, back in my youth, they call me Gabby Gorman. You know, so I know how to talk. <laughs> You have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. And, Bill, do you want to share your contact information before we wrap up? Well, actually, Greg used my old uh, email, but they can use that too. It could be WaitmanBill at at Yahoo.com or Bill Waitman for Freeholder if I run an, uh, what do you call it, a writing campaign when I get back. Uh, uh, I'm on on, uh, Facebook. Strangely, there's a lot of Bill Waitmans. I didn't realize that, uh, including my son on Facebook. But I'm, I'm the one, <laughs> I'm the older one, and uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, love, love to talk to people, and I'm on Twitter, Billy Way at uh, 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 Billy and W E I G. That's my uh, handle on Twitter. Um, I appreciate to talk to people. I, I'm. Greg knows I, I wrote a piece in his local paper about this, and uh, and people in Sussex County and uh, down here in Florida read the same piece. So it's uh, uh, I didn't know as, as I don't even know a quarter as much as uh, uh, Greg, but uh, these issues really are the issues of our time. Climate change is the big issue, and we will tackle it. Thanks again, Bill. Uh, say hi to Hildy in Florida for me, and uh, I will talk to you very soon. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. Good night. And thanks to all who joined in tonight. We had uh, three awesome segments uh, hosted by three awesome people, and our guests were awesome. And uh, I'm looking forward to the next time we continue with the path of uh, public service. Good night. Thanks for listening to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network. Join us seven nights a week for exciting programming covering a variety of expressions of faith. And remember, all manifestations of the divine are equally valid.